Hey, welcome back to the Addicted to Healthy podcast, your one-stop destination for all things health and a kick-ass life. I'm Laurence, certified nutritional practitioner and health coach and the host of the Addicted to Healthy podcast. Today, I am joined by Melissa Groves. She's a functional and integrative dietitian specializing in women's health and hormones, particularly PCOS, fertility, and estrogen dominance issues. Her mission is to help women live healthy and symptom-free lives using whole food nutrition and lifestyle changes to overcome hormone imbalances during the childbearing years, perimenopause, and beyond. She uses a root cause food first approach to help women regain regular menstrual cycles so that they can optimize their fertility. So I'm really excited for you guys to listen to this episode today. I've been following Melissa for a while now and I totally resonate with her message and her root cause food first approach, especially when it comes to things like PCOS and women's hormones, which I talk about a lot on the podcast and in my own private practice. So super excited for you guys to listen to this. So let's get this started. Welcome, Melissa, to the podcast. I'm super excited for this episode today, talking all about the menstrual cycle, fertility, all of our kind of our topics that we usually talk about a lot with our clients and in our coaching. And I know a lot of people listening do have a lot of symptoms with menstrual cycle and infertility and all of that. So this is going to be really, really helpful for them. Um, before we get started, I would love for you to talk a little bit about you, how you got into what you're doing now, because I went through your bio and you definitely didn't start in nutrition like me. I think that's usually the case. There's something that triggers us to go into this direction. So I'd love to hear a little bit about your story. Yeah, so thank you for having me on. Um, I love when I meet people on Instagram and it turns into real life connections. So I'm glad that works out. Always happy to find other like-minded practitioners. Um, so as you mentioned, I'm Melissa Groves. I'm a registered dietitian and I specialize in women's health and hormones. I was not always a registered dietitian. I actually spent the first 15 years of my career working in New York City advertising as a copywriter. So, you know, definitely big diversion from where I started. I was working specifically in pharmaceuticals and launching um, oncology drugs. So very high science. And that was where I first had discovered that I actually enjoyed science. Uh, I had majored in English and dance the first time around. So none of that was really applicable to what I'm doing now. So I decided to go back to school and help women learn how to balance their hormones and their lifestyle, basically, you know, a lot from what I had gone through working in New York, um, 90 hour weeks and that sort of thing, not being able to fit in the exercise and eating the way that I should. So now I help other women do that. Um, I specifically got into women's health because I was working in the office of a functional medicine practitioner and I would see all of the weight loss clients. And what I realized after working with them for a while was there was always some sort of underlying hormonal reason when I would get someone in who was eating right and exercising and the scale just wasn't budging. Um, there was always, you know, either insulin resistance or a thyroid issue or PCOS or a cortisol issue that was preventing them from, you know, achieving and maintaining that 
that natural, healthy weight. Um, so that's how I first got into that. So when I opened my own practice, that was where I decided to specialize. So I use a functional medicine approach to help women who are experiencing hormone imbalances, um, especially PCOS and infertility, but also you know estrogen dominance, endometriosis, uh, balance their hormones, get their periods back, and get pregnant naturally. And I'm located in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, but I do also coach clients virtually throughout the U.S. Amazing. Yeah, that is quite a 360 on your life. I do hear this a lot. I did have the same experience. I think there's usually like a trigger, an event, or you're literally just fed up and, and you do, you make a big change. And I'm glad that it really helps you with your health and now you're helping others. So props to you and for, you know, just being able to use your struggles to help other women go through the same thing. So I think that's really important, really admirable. And before we get into the fertility, because we're going to get into the menstrual cycle and fertility, I want to start off by talking a little bit about the basics of periods, because I think that's a really important topic. Um, and we're actually not really educated very well on this, uh, especially when it comes to like the teenage years. Um, and then we just don't really understand what a period should look like or the different stages. So can you talk a little bit about what is the point of having a period? Because I think a lot of people, I myself used to skip my own periods. And I was told by my doctor, like, you didn't have to have a period, et cetera. So I was overjoyed. Um, but do we need to have a period? What's your opinion? Yeah, well, the obvious purpose of having a period or rather a menstrual cycle is reproduction. Um, but it also serves other health purposes as well as we're learning more and more. Um, so yes, the pharmaceutical industry will tell you that you do not need to have a period or at least you don't need to have one every month. Um, but I would kind of disagree because you know, when you're on the pill, you're not experiencing what's considered the main event of the menstrual cycle, which is ovulation. Uh, ovulation is the only time that you make progesterone, which has many benefits. Progesterone protects our bone health, it increases libido, it improves our mood and sleep, um, you know, probably more than anything. And it may also help protect against weight gain. Overall, it's just, you know, a calming, happy hormone. So you want that two weeks out of every month. So if you're having super long cycles or your own hormones are being suppressed by birth control, then you're not going to get the benefits of having that progesterone for two weeks out of every month the way that you're supposed to. And another question I find a lot that comes up is what should a normal period look like? Because I think the majority of women experience really painful periods, really heavy or long periods. Um, but as both of us know, it should not look like this. So what should a normal period actually look like? Being yes. realistic. Yeah, so an ideal period should happen every 28 to 30 days. Um, it should last about four to six days. It should be bright cranberry red with no clots and no mucus and the bleeding should be consistent over the course of those days. It shouldn't like start really heavy and then taper off. It should just be consistent. Um, you should have, you know, maybe a little bit of cramping that's mild on the first day and then that should stop. 
um, you definitely shouldn't have other symptoms such as, you know, a migraine headache or sore breasts or spotting or really terrible PMS beforehand. Those are all signs that, you know, something is not ideal. Yeah, and it's unfortunate that a lot of women just think that it's normal, um, but as we both know as well, when a symptom comes up, it's a sign that your body's crying out for help, there's something else going on, um, and it just becomes really empowering and just nice to know that you can actually have enjoyable periods. Like now for me, I'm actually, I actually look forward to them, like they're not troublesome at all, but a lot of women have no idea that it can be like that, so I think it's really important to make an emphasis on that. Uh, PMS is you know, a symptom of underlying imbalances. We have to dig a little bit deeper. But I'd love for you to get into a little bit about the common period troubles that people commonly have, like whether it be heavy, painful, long cycles, even light periods. I find that's a common one as well. Would you be able to go through those and kind of talk about uh, what are the common causes and maybe uh, one or two solutions? Yeah, so... Light periods, you know, I kind of mentioned that the ideal period should be, you know, cranberry red color. If you're having watery pink bleeding that's very light and only lasts a couple of days, that's generally a sign of low estrogen or low hormones overall. Um, I tend to see this most in people who aren't eating enough or they're over-exercising. Um, women who, who are on the pill, the periods that they have tend to be very light um, because they aren't real periods, you know. So obviously the way to address this is by making sure you're eating enough, um, especially enough fat and cholesterol because you need those to make hormones. And then heavy periods are actually the opposite. So very heavy periods are usually a sign of excess estrogen or poor estrogen detox. So you got to work on clearing that estrogen out, you know, tons of liver love. You want to eat those green leafy vegetables, the cruciferous vegetables, berries, citrus fruit, um, herbs like milk thistle, dandelion. Um, and you also have to make sure you're pooping every day because if you're not, then your estrogen is going to build up and recirculate in a more toxic form. So, you know, incorporate tons of fiber, tons of fluids to make sure that you're having those regular bowel movements. Um, painful periods are usually also a sign of too much estrogen. So the recommendations I just mentioned also apply. Um, it can also be a sign that your prostaglandins are too high. So something like fish oil taken throughout the month can help with painful periods. Um, I love magnesium for the week before and during your periods. It helps with the cramping and then if your periods are, are really painful I mean like can't get out of bed painful um, and the food and supplements don't help you know consider getting screened for something like endometriosis um, long periods are another sign of, of estrogen dominance and you know long heavy periods could signal something like polyps fibroids something going on in there that's causing that heavy bleeding um, Long cycles are usually due to, you know, that's the time from when you start your period until when you start your next period. Um, those are usually due to, you know, lack of ovulation or irregular ovulation, and that's usually caused by 
PCOS, low thyroid hormones, high prolactin, high stress or cortisol, not eating enough calories or carbs or over-exercising, um, things like high prolactin levels, premature ovarian failure, or perimenopause. So there's really no way to tell what's going on um, without testing, further testing. Awesome. That was really helpful. And I just wanted to um, highlight one thing. You were talking about cholesterol. Um, it's kind of one of my favorite topics, too, because as you know, it's a very controversial topic, um, as with a lot of foods, you know, some of them are demonized, but it's also depending on like the industry, which one's talking about it, etc. Um, but it's really important, especially for women's health, to actually have that because it's going to be building our hormones, right? So could you talk a little bit about that and maybe bust the myth that cholesterol is bad, quote unquote? <laughs> Yeah, who our dietary guidelines really did a number on them. Um, you know, if you if you have, if you don't follow dietary guideline updates, because you know who does? The most recent guidelines actually removed cholesterol as a nutrient of concern. So we're no longer supposed to be watching our cholesterol. Um, there's been studies that have shown that there's the cholesterol that we eat has very little effect on, you know, the cholesterol in our blood because our livers make so much cholesterol on their own. So, you know, if you're trying to lower your cholesterol, um, reducing the amount you eat doesn't, it isn't a major player in that number. So there's just no need anymore. Um, but yeah, definitely a low fat diet is, is not, um, going to be beneficial in terms of, of hormone production. Um, you know, cholesterol is the starting block to build all of your sex hormones. So you really need it, um, especially if you're, you know, low in progesterone um, or, you know, low in, in sex hormones overall. You need to, to give yourself those building blocks to start with. And we'll talk a little bit about what kind of fats uh, we're talking about later on when we talk a little bit about foods, especially with fertility, because um, obviously it's really important to differentiate the good fats and the not so good fats. Um, but before we get into that, I would love for you to get a little bit um, into body signs and what they mean, specifically around the different um, stages of your cycle. So things like breast tenderness, um, spotting, ovulation pain, things like that like common symptoms that come up throughout the cycle. Maybe you can start with breast tenderness. Usually that's before your period starts, uh, but I know a lot of women have that. So what does that mean? Yeah, so you know, a lot of women do have it usually starting with ovulation and then in those last two weeks of the month into their period. Um, it's usually due to high estrogen levels, low progesterone levels, or a combination of the two. Um, you know, your, your breasts really shouldn't be terribly sore. I mean, they're, they should be a little bit sensitive after you ovulate, but um, if they're painful to touch, if it's uncomfortable to wear a bra, that is abnormal. Um, you know, increased libido, that usually happens around ovulation. I mean, conveniently, our testosterone spikes naturally right before we ovulate, making us naturally want to do it more at our most fertile time of the month. So, you know, Mother Nature is, is kind of great like that, um, encouraging reproduction. Um, if you're not, if your libido is low, you know, that could be a sign that your your testosterone is, is on the low side. 
Um, ovulation pain usually indicates problems with estrogen. You know, either it's too high or you're detoxing it down one of the bad pathways. It can also indicate ovarian cysts or endometriosis. So, you know, you want to get that checked out if it's consistent and severe pain. Um, and then fatigue. Um, funny, you know, in our modern society, I think we try to, to fight it um, instead of just acknowledging that there's, you know, one week out of the month that we're going to naturally be more tired than the rest of the month. So, you know, instead of trying to fight it, listening to your body and giving it what it's asking for, which is rest, is more healthy. Um, you know, you'll naturally have more energy the week after, so it all kind of balances out. Um, you know, for men, it's like every day is Groundhog Day in terms of hormones. It's like every single day is exactly the same. But um, for women, it may seem like it's different every day. But if you start to track your symptoms according to your cycle, it actually becomes really predictable. And learning to live um, your life and schedule, you know, important things around different times of the month um, is pretty much life-changing once you figure out how to how to do that and how to work with your cycle instead of against it. Yeah, I love that you mentioned that. Uh, I think it's really important. I do practice cycle syncing and it's been so helpful and it's really important to note that we do need to tune into our feminine side. I think we just try to be more masculine and go after the job and the career and do all the things at once and do the same workouts, etc. Um, but we do need to remember that we change throughout the month, as you mentioned. So really important to be fine with that. And if it means going for a walk instead of doing the HIIT class, I mean, that's going to probably end up making you feel better and actually perform better throughout the month than having to push yourself when you really don't want to. So really, really important message. I'm really glad that you mentioned that. And now I want to go into fertility a bit. So there is research that's showing increasingly, and I see this in lots of clients and even just, you know, everyday people I talk to, um, infertility is a rising issue. And what, in your opinion, is the cause for this, not just in women, but men as well? Yeah, this one's a big one. <laughs> so I think the researchers are still trying to figure it out. They're seeing, you know, the higher rates of infertility in women, higher rates of miscarriage, sperm um, counts are just plummeting. Um, personally, I think it's due to the changes in our environment. We're exposed to so many more toxins and endocrine disruptors on a daily basis that, you know, even a hundred years ago just weren't in existence. Things like our health and beauty products, our cleaning products, even our furniture is full of toxins. Um, obviously, our food and water are sprayed with pesticides, and there's all sorts of runoff in the water. Um, you know, additionally, our nutrient status is worse. Um, we're eating fewer whole foods compared to previous generations. We also spend less time outside in nature and more time being sedentary. So I think it's definitely multifactorial, but it's, you know, a result of our modern quick fix lifestyle for sure. Yeah, and I've definitely seen that in a lot of studies uh, with the environmental toxins and all of that. It's quite alarming. 
Um, but what about root imbalances that you see maybe in pairing conception, especially within your practice? What are some of the root issues, whether it be inflammation, insulin resistance, or whatever? Yeah, so when I'm working with clients who are trying to conceive without luck, you know, either they haven't gotten a positive pregnancy test or they've had recurrent losses, the big things that I consider are Know, thyroid levels, hormone levels, nutrient levels, inflammation, and insulin resistance. So, you know, thyroid's a big one, and most reproductive endocrinologists will check a TSH level, but they'll stop there if if it looks okay. But you really need to to keep digging and get that full thyroid panel because studies have shown that you know, the presence of thyroid antibodies, even if your TSH is normal, has been linked to increased risk for miscarriage. So I always, always look at antibodies, even if TSH is normal. Um, then I look at the basic fertility labs, your LH, FSH, AMH, um, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, cortisol, DHEA, see what's going on with all of those. Um, I look at a person's diet, so is it nutrient dense, you know, or have they really not been eating well up to this point? Uh, do they avoid whole categories of foods? You know, I've had clients who were paleo, and when I tested their nutrients, like their B vitamins were just tanked. Um, you know, certain nutrient deficiencies like vitamin D, zinc, B vitamins, they all, you know, have an effect on fertility. So you want to optimize those as well as, you know, antioxidants for men and women. Um, you know, inflammation is definitely a common root cause for inability to get pregnant. If you're inflamed, you know, even if you're um, successfully having fertilized embryos, they're going to have difficulty implanting if there's inflammation there. Um, and then finally, the insulin resistance can impact ability to ovulate. I do see this most often with PCOS, but it does occur in other women as well. And then, you know, lastly, um, you know, don't, don't forget your partner. Um, I think so many women are out there doing all the things. They're eating all the right foods. They're taking all the supplements. And then if your partner is like eating fast food, having two beers and smoking weed every night, like, you know, that's not exactly supportive of, of his fertility. So you kind of have to like realize, you know, it take, takes two to make a healthy fertilized embryo. I'm so glad you said that because I think, yeah, there is a lot of pressure and a lot of the time the woman thinks that there's something wrong with her, like it's all, she has to do all the work, et cetera, but of course we need an egg and a sperm, right, to be able to create a baby. So really, really important um, to remember that too. It's both partners who have to put in the work. Um, so that was great, but I'd also love to talk about the more practical things like if somebody's looking to conceive I think there's a lot of misinformation about ovulation we got into a little bit of it uh, but I want to dive a little bit deeper because I think a lot of people maybe they're trying during their fertile days for instance but they're just thinking that oh on day 14 I'll ovulate so um, we'll just kind of time it around there but this of course is not true so can you kind of get into ovulation what it really means and how to track ovulation uh, how to promote ovulation what might be inhibiting ovulation basically getting into what does it look like as specifically talking about like how we can 
identify if we are ovulating because if we just go by like the day 14 rule, then there is a lot of room for error, right? Yeah, I can't even tell you the number of times I've gotten a potential client on the on the phone and ask them, you know, are your cycles regular? And then I say they say yes, and then I say, well, you know, do you ovulate? And they say, well, yes, according to my app, I, I ovulate on day fourteen. And I'm like, no, 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 like back up. This is not how that works. Um, so ovulation happens, you know, in that ideal 28-day cycle, um, ideally it happens four, 14 days into a normal cycle. So it's, it's what happens when your ovary releases an egg. So that egg gets released, um, it travels down the fallopian tube where it gets fertilized, um, it implants in your uterus. Um, all this time, the corpus luteum, which is sort of the egg shell, as it were, in the ovary is releasing progesterone, so that's keeping the egg where it's supposed to be. Um, and then if, if that egg doesn't fertilize, then everything drops, and you know that's the signal for you to get your period. Um, in terms of tracking ovulation, I find the, the best way, and the way that I recommend my clients do it, um, is to, to do the basal body temperature daily. You know, that's when you don't even roll out of bed yet. You just take your lowest temperature of the day first thing when you wake up and enter that into an app. Um, so if you track that throughout the month, you'll be able to see patterns. Um, I, I tell people, you know, the ovulation test strips, um, those cheapy ones on Amazon work great. Um, what those do is they predict that you're going to ovulate, but they don't confirm that you did ovulate. So you know, ideally in combination, you'd be tracking your temps, you'd, you'd get the positive on your ovulation test kit, and then the next day you would confirm it um, because your temperature would rise, you know, it's usually, you know, over 0.3 degrees um, over three days. And that's, you know, generally what confirms that ovulation did happen. So, you know, there's so much, so much new technology out there to, to do this as well. I mean, you can get crazy and get yourself, you know, one of the bracelets that tracks it for you. But, you know, a $10 thermometer will, basal body thermometer will be able to do it for you as well. Um, and then in terms of promoting ovulation and inhibiting ovulation, um, you know, I talked a little bit about this before, but there's several reasons why you might not ovulate. Um, and if you're tracking your temperatures and you see them going up and down, you know, and just being inconsistent over the course of the month and you're not seeing that definite jump in the second half of the month, that's a, a pretty likely sign that you're not ovulating. Um, PCOS is the most common reason. So, you know, if it's PCOS and that's the reason why you're not ovulating, then you have to work on balancing your blood sugar, improving your insulin sensitivity, and lowering inflammation in order to get yourself to ovulate. Um, if you don't have PCOS and you don't ovulate, you know, question whether you're eating enough calories, whether you're eating enough fat and carbs, whether you're exercising too much or go, you know, get some lab work done to rule out things like high prolactin, low thyroid, 
um, things like that, like, you know, question what your stress is. You know, our periods get very irregular when we're stressed, and the reason is because the stress shifts our ovulation time. The, the time between ovulation and our period is, is always consistent, um, but that ovulation date can get moved around depending on what's going on in our lives. And I know that you're all about food, just like me. Food is medicine. <laughs> that's the core foundation. So what are the best foods that you usually recommend for improving fertility and then the worst foods that you say stay away from? Yeah, so best is absolutely an anti-inflammatory diet pattern hands down. So, you know, overall looking at what you eat, you want to incorporate things like fatty fish, like salmon, two to three times a week. Um, quality proteins like grass-fed meat. Um, you want to make half your plate colorful fruits and veggies that are high in antioxidants. Um, small to moderate amounts of whole grains like quinoa or starchy veggies like sweet potatoes. Um, fats like olive oil, avocados, nuts. Um, you know, and if you can tolerate dairy, then small amounts of full-fat dairy have been shown to be um, supportive of fertility. In terms of the worst foods, it's basically the opposite of that. So anything that's fried in inflammatory oils, things like peanut and cottonseed oils that they use in restaurants, um, conventional non-organic meat and dairy that's high in those inflammatory omega-6 fatty acids, um, processed carbs that spike your blood sugar and your cortisol, and then too many added sugars you know, are all going to be inflammatory and bad for your fertility overall. And so I know there's a lot of people, especially nowadays, there's just a common issue with being overwhelmed with information out there and even just Googling things. It's so overwhelming and you have a lot of misinformation. So if somebody is trying to become pregnant within the next few months to a year or so, um, what would you say is the first place to start? Like where, how do you navigate that? Yeah, so, you know, as you mentioned, it. Dr. Google will give you a lot of false information. Um, you know, it's got to be 100% personalized. What worked for your friend or what worked for someone on the internet may not be what's right for you. Um, plus, there's a lot of dangerous advice floating around, you know, starting to take supplements willy-nilly because you read it on the internet. Um, can be really dangerous. I see a lot of women taking like high doses of DHEA when they come in to see me. And, you know, that one is definitely not an across the board safe fertility supplement, in my opinion. Um, you know, so work with a practitioner to discover what your root causes are and the right treatment approach for you. Um, my fertility protocols are completely individualized to the person. So, you know, I never, never use the same thing twice. It's very customized based on what's going on. Um, I always start with testing. You know, I test hormone levels. I test micronutrients and antioxidants for you and your partner. Um, I test for insulin resistance and inflammation. And then we come up with a personalized plan from there. Um, but, you know, if you're, if you're just trying to do something to get started, like focusing on that, that whole foods anti-inflammatory diet for you and your partner is, is a good place to start. 
Amazing. So where can we find you, Melissa? What are you up to? Let us know where we can follow your stuff. Yeah, so um, my website is avocadogrovenutrition.com because avocados are my favorite food. And totally agree. <laughs> Groves is my last name, so that's where my business name comes from. Um, and if you go there, I actually do have a free five-day um, meal plan for PCOS that you can download that's full of those anti-inflammatory foods that I mentioned. Um, so you can find me there on my website. I'm most active on Instagram though. So, you know, if you want to pop in, see what I'm doing in my stories, um, DM me. Um, I am the.hormone.dietitian on Instagram and I'm there every day. <laughs> yeah. I love what you do. I love following your stuff on Instagram. So definitely go follow Melissa. Uh, thank you for sharing your knowledge and your experience with us. That was fantastic. And I know it's going to help a lot of women. So thank you so much. And for what you're doing, it's really changing lives for sure. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on.